As it said at the start, this is Locked on Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Today's show, we're going to talk about the game today. We'll look at the upcoming schedule, and then we'll dig a bit into the rubber ducks with what time we have remaining. So the Indians picked up a split for this little short series against the Miami Marlins. They got another stellar performance from Jeffrey Rodriguez, who is the second player in the Jan Gomes deal. I have not been super high on him just due to the fact that uh, he had really struggled uh, with command and not missing bats throughout his minor league career. Um, developed as a starter, last year moved to the pen because the Nationals pretty much given up on the idea of him as a starter. Uh, he's still not missing bats, but he's not walking anyone, and no one's making consistent contact. The velocity has always been there. The stuff is there. It's, you know, he's six foot six. he's 230, he's built like a starter. So there's a lot of reasons for hope that the Indians could possibly maximize what he is. It's going to be... Interesting to watch. The nice news, you know, yesterday was a bit of doom and gloom with the Crasco injury, but the MRI came back clean. He'll be ready for his next start. And with Rodriguez's two performances so far, it's pretty clear that he is going to be the, uh, or at least it should be pretty clear that he should be the guy to fill in while Clevenger is out. And we can see more of what he can do and continue to sit back and... You know, possibly be excited uh, if he continues to perform. It gives them uh, just the depth of having another strong arm in the minors, multiple years of control, makes it a lot easier for them if they do end up at some point moving an arm in the next year or so. And by that, I mean through 2020. Uh, at some point between now and the 2020 uh Deadline. Trevor Bauer will likely be moved because he's going to be a free agent at the end of 2020. And while he is the Indians' best pitcher, I can't see them letting him walk for just a draft pick. So what Rodriguez has done for two short starts uh, is exciting. He's always had potential. He's been highly thought of and highly valued, but we have never seen the performance be uh, consistent. So we'll have to keep our eyes open. And, you know, for as good as the performance was, he also has not had to face the uh, the hardest of lineups. After the game, Rodriguez was optioned back to Columbus, and the Indians are going to need their next fifth starter on May 7th, so we'll probably see him back then. And until then, he'll be down in AAA. As for the rest of the game... The star is uh, Jose Ramirez, who was extremely down on yesterday. We'll have to see if we can start putting things together. That's been the issue. He's had a few really strong games. The problem is it is three or four games between his strong performances. Uh, But three to four games is probably generous. It's like he has a good performance, and then a week and a half later, he has another really good performance. It's been one end of the spectrum or the other. Carlos Santana had arguably his worst game of the season, 0 for 5 with two strikeouts. He's still, uh, 
Yeah, he's been slightly cooling down from his torrid start, but he has still been the Indians' best bat. Two hits for Lindor. Nice to see him moving up. Uh, Kevin P had a hit and a walk. Same for Kipnis. So that's what, you know, you, you just want the guys to be able to get on base, which we have not seen very often this year. So there was uh, good performances just about all around. The only player who did not get on base was Santana. So he was, uh, for once, he was the least effective Indians hitter, which has probably not happened this year. Nick Wetgren came in, and I've been uh, blowing him up, and of course he proceeds to get a blown save, gives up a run. Still has been performing extremely well in the year. Brad Hand comes in in the uh, the non-save situation and closed it out. And the Indians are 13-10. and 10. When we look ahead at the upcoming schedule, tomorrow is an 8-10 start for against a uh, series against the Houston Astros. Bauer versus Cole, former college teammates who have had some animosity in the majors. I know most fans are probably going to be watching the NFL draft, even though the Browns don't have a pick. We've been conditioned to do so, but uh, it's a you'll have something to flip back and forth between. That should be a heck of a matchup. Kluber versus McHugh on, McHugh on Friday, Saturday you have Bieber versus Peacock. Sunday is an ESPN night game: Carrasco versus Miley. After that, the Indians will head down to my, two games at Miami, and then Seattle for three, Chicago for four, and then finally on May 10th, they'll face Oakland and kind of break out of this stretch of uh, of replaying some teams they've already faced this year. So, that's kind of the look ahead. You know, the Houston Astros are currently one of the top performing teams in baseball. They have old, uh, friendly former teammate Michael Brantley. I giggle a bit as I say friendly just because uh, Michael Brantley is a heck of a hitter and I understand that uh, rehab starts are not fun, but he gave some of the chilliest interviews I've ever experienced interviewing someone down in the rehab starts in AA. Most guys are pretty jovial. Jan Gomes uh, is at one extreme end. He was uh, Him and Nick Swisher are probably two of the uh, the nicest interactions I've had down there. Well, Michael Brantley just was, he, he didn't want to be doing it. He's already up to five home runs this year. Uh, he's hitting 315. He's been utterly fantastic. Altuve is hitting well with nine home runs. And, I mean, all of these guys have OPSs over 1,000. Springer hitting well, seven home runs, OPS over 1,000. Correa, uh, over 1,000. Bregman, over 1,000. Reddick, over 1,000. Robinson Chineros, their catcher, over a thousand. It's, I mean, even Jake Marcinick, who's mostly known as a, a defensive outfielder, is hitting two ninety seven with an OPS over eight forty. Uriel or Yuli Guriel, their first baseman, is arguably their worst hitter, and he's got a two sixty two average with only one home run but eight doubles and a eight fifty eight OPS. So. The guy who could argue is their worst hitter would be in contention to be the Indians' number two hitter. Their lineup is just top to bottom. The way it's performing, arguably, maybe not even arguably, the best in baseball right now. It's just spectacular all around. 
their pitching staff is going to be the question heading into the year. Uh, Verlander's rebirth has been interesting to see. I don't know how he's keeping it going, but he is. There was a point in time where it looked like he was kind of running out of gas, but he's really turned his career back around. Garrett Cole has struggled this year and has not been really effective. I would think if you are a betting person that tomorrow's line, in spite of those lineups, might favor the Indians because Bauer has been good and Cole has been bad. So I have to see. Wade Miley seems to be pitching a, a little over his head. I'm sure that will balance out a bit. Colin McHugh has been all right, and Brad Peacock has been all right. That's going to be the big question with Houston this year is they are a team that kind of low-key could uh, use another starter. It's not like Milwaukee where that's a big obvious need or when you look at the Dodgers maybe wanting to shore things up or the Padres. Some of those teams in the National League we looked at um, when all the Indians trade rumors were happening, but the, the Astros, after losing Morton to Tampa and the injury to um, McCullers, they starter is kind of a low-key need for them over there, and it'll be interesting to see what they do as the year progresses. They still have uh, a decent minor league system, and they have players and prospects they could trade out. It is it is starting to hit the, uh, the point, though, where uh, it's going to be harder for them to pay the prices to, uh, to get that top-shelf talent. Speaking of paying prices, one thing you won't have to pay a price for is uh, our sponsor, BlueChew.com. Even my cat agrees. I think you guys can hear in the background. BlueChew.com. You can go there, use the promo code MLB, and try their little blue pill for just the 5 bucks it costs to ship it out. Answer a few, uh, answer a few questions on their survey. Pay the 5 bucks. It will be discreetly mailed to your door. BlueChew.com. Promo code MLB. So, as promised, second half of the show, we're going to be looking at the Akron Rubber Ducks. I think in many respects, this is probably the least interesting of the the levels we've seen so far. Uh, I, right now, low A and high A are definitely the most interesting. Mahoning Valley is always interesting for me because it's mostly filled with draft prospects, and there should be a lot of players um, making their non-rookie league debuts this year. A lot of the high-priced players who've been in Arizona for the Indians the last few years. But uh, I think Akron is probably still more interesting than Columbus. But there are a lot of a lot of older players in Akron. A lot of guys who have been in the system a while who are just kind of the organizational soldier or depth. Their former... You know, Sean Brady, he's been bumped all around. He was a former seven-figure bonus uh, back in, let's see, they drafted Brady in 2013. So, you know, this is his sixth year in the minors. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Like I said, he was someone they they gave a massive bonus to that year. There are still some interesting prospects and names, though, in spite of the, the up-aging more so on the the pitching side of things, you have a lot of older players. The the hitting side, the oldest player is Daniel Salters, who's twenty six, and he's a minor league backup catcher. Uh, this and when I say that, I'm I have the uh, the stats pulled up on Baseball Cube, so I'm looking at anyone who's played for them so far this year. Uh, so they've kept their roster, at least in terms of their hitters, relatively young. 
the most interesting prospects are would be Ernie Clement when he's healthy, which he hasn't been all this year. And then just probably as an outside perspective looking in, Andrew Montessario, who just went on the disabled list, who was the third piece in that uh, Gomes deal, and Daniel Johnson, who was the centerpiece of the Gomes deal. Debuting this year up there, Mitch Luongo has been, uh, he was a day three pick who was viewed as a potential day two pick at uh, the University of Ohio and had some struggles his final year in the MAC. And Connor Maribel has been uh, a guy who keeps performing in spite of having a, a bit of a lower draft position and bonus. I'll get into uh, all these players specifically in a bit. And then on the pitching side of things is where the the biggest name prospect on this team. You have Sam Hentges. There's also some lesser-known pitching prospects. Uh, Nick Sandlin, the second-round pick from a year ago, was just added to the roster now that he's healthy. James Karinchok, who at uh, Bryant University was a ninth-round pick who was listed amongst the top 200 prospects by MLB at the time. He had lots of control issues. He's a, a bit of an interesting individual uh, I mean that in the best possible way. It seems like most relievers are sometimes a little bit interesting, but he's taken a, a real big step forward this year. I'll get into that in a bit. And Zach Plesac, another one of those uh, interesting performers, day three pick. So I'm just going to stay on the pitching side of things on this deep dive at the start. I mentioned Plesac so far through four starts. He has given up just two earned runs. You'd like to see the strikeout rate a little higher. He's averaging six strikeouts per nine. His walk rate is fantastic. His hit and home run rates are fantastic. Potential swing arm down the line. He He's interesting just from the perspective that I remember watching him as a pitcher and outfielder at Ball State. There was a point in time where he was viewed as a day one prospect. And since the Indians took him, he's just continued to perform well at every level. I mentioned that Sam Hentges is the big name. He has been awful. Um, it's been a real struggle for him in Double A this year. The big lefty is—he's walking guys. He's getting hit often and hard. The RA is—I mean, I, his his uh, hits per nine are, is over fourteen, which is one of the largest I've ever seen for that. Even though it's early, um, the strikeout rate isn't bad. But uh, everything else is pretty much a horror show through his first four starts. Nick Sandlin has had just two games so far, but he has looked like the pitcher I think most of us thought that he was going to be. He uh, He's working out of the pen so far. We'll see if they have him uh, work as a starter. He was the Indian second-round pick a year ago out of uh, Southern Miss, side-arming right-hander who is a starter in college. So we'll see what they do now that he's healthy. Um, you know, I talked about Eli Morgan and a few other guys who probably need to get a move up soon. The rotation up in Akron, you've got Aaron Saival, who was a, another early pick. Who He's not a bad prospect, but I don't see a lot of a major league future there. He doesn't walk anyone, which is his calling card, but he is a bit home run prone for his career and he doesn't miss any bats, but they're not going to take him out of the rotation at this point. Plesak is performing. Hentges is performing. And then they've kind of had some guys moving up and down. Um, Paulson was just moved up to Columbus. 
Trying to see who else has had a few starts in there. Uh, Brady's had two starts, and he's been up and down. Matt Salter's been up and down. So, uh, you know, I, I really do think at some point this year the best thing they can do for Cyball is uh, try him out of the pen, see if his stuff plays up, and with his control. It, and, you know, it, he's a fastball slider. There isn't really a great third pitch, but you have the chance that you put him in the pen, things play up, and he has a, an easier path to the the majors. That's something I thought even a year ago. They should just go ahead and drop him in there and see what happens, which is kind of also my view on Sandlin. You know, they might let him start again this year, but I would just keep him in the pen and view him as a fast-track reliever. Speaking of relievers, uh, you have to talk about James Karinchok, who, yeah, see, even the, my cat wants to talk about James Karinchok. Seven innings. 18 strikeouts. So for those who don't want to do the math at home, he's recorded 21 outs, 18 of them by the strikeout. For a player who struggled with control in the minors and in college, I, I know I'm bearing the lead. Stop it, cat. He has just two walks so far this year. That gives him a walk per nine, under three with a strikeouts per nine, over 23. The stuff has always been fantastic. It's only seven innings, but we'll have to see this. If he continues to deal as he has been dealing, or even at 80% of what he is doing so far statistically this year, he will definitely see time with the Indians and the majors before the year is done. So, just quickly, as I'm running over, as has been typical, when I go back to the hitters at the top, uh, Clements hurt, but I think he's a utility guy all the way. He's uh, like 25-30 power. There just isn't enough there. Luongo is just continued to stay steady. Maribel is struggling after he was really good a year ago when he was first called up. Uh, Montessario wasn't walking, which was his calling card um, as two teams. He, he went from the Cubs to the Nationals to the Indians. And the Indians were really stocking up on those guys with high walk percentages. And he has not had that so far in AA, but he just went on the disabled list this week. And Daniel Johnson, you have to mention because it's a uh, you know the strikeout rate is high it's over 22 percent again but the walk rate is at 15 percent and he's hitting for some power he's got three home runs the 263 average is probably higher than i would have expected he's going to be a three outcomes type of bat where if he can you know hit 230 240 there might be enough power there is enough power along with his speed and you put him in right field, he's got the arm and the leg for it. He could be a plus defender in right who hits, you know, 20, 25 home runs, might steal like 20 bases as well, and hit like 220. So you also need that high walk rate. But he's just a tools-for-days player. The Indians love those upside bets in the outfield, and he is far and away the most interesting hitting prospect for the Akron Arrows. Or Rubber Ducks, sorry. I, uh, I, I've i gone to games back when they were the Canton-Akron Indians, so there's a lot of names there in my head to remember. And it is currently 1.20, so uh, very late for me. Thank you all for tuning in, subscribing, telling a friend. I hope you are enjoying the podcasts. Any and all feedback is fantastic. Tell a friend. Everything helps. As always, go Tribe. <laughs>